welcome back to the Drupal Easy Podcast. My name is Mike Anello, and yes, we've been gone a while, but we're back. And moving forward, rather than focusing on getting a new episode out on a consistent schedule, we're going to go with seasons. So we're calling this season 14, as this is our 14th year of doing the podcast. And in this season, we will be releasing six episodes, starting with today's episode with Brian Perry. Following that, we've got uh, Allison McCauley, Leslie Glynn, Ted Bowman, Rod Martin, and Ryan Price. And this season, and all seasons uh, moving forward, our plan is to have a theme for each season. And the theme for season 14 is how to. So the idea is that each episode of season 14 will answer the question, how to do something Drupal-related. So in today's episode, we'll be talking with Brian Perry from Pantheon about how to get started with web components. Now, before we get to the interview, let me tell you a little bit about Drupal Easy's newest long-form Drupal training course, Professional Module Development. We have been working on this course for about a year and a half. We beta tested it with 17 students uh, late in 2022. Uh, the course is 90 hours of curriculum, and we're going to present that over 15 weeks, starting on January 31st, two half days a week. Uh, the material, you know, the, the course includes material on developer tools like PHP CS, PHP Stan, Xdebug, VS Code, PHP Storm, you know, uh, the IDE extensions and plugins and recommended configuration, as well as we'll be using both Lando and DDEV. So there's something for everybody from the developer tools standpoint. Once we get into the Drupal module development aspects, we'll be creating a custom plugin. We'll dive deep into services. We'll implement the Q API, the batch API. We'll use Entity Query, and there is lots and lots of object-oriented PHP coding. The course is really designed to take you from a casual Drupal module developer to a professional Drupal module developer. We'll also have a unit on caching, and we'll be writing a bunch of PHP unit tests, um, unit, kernel, and functional tests, and we'll even throw in a custom Drush command as well. So if you're interested, class begins January 31st, and we're actually offering a light version as well. Granted, it skips some of the topics I just mentioned, but it's a little bit shorter at 60 hours, and that starts on February 14th. If you'd like more information, just go to drupaleasy.com slash PMD for professional module development. Brian, welcome back to the Drupal Easy podcast. You are now a two-time guest, I believe. Does that uh, gel with your recollection as well? It does. I'm, I'm actually surprised that I am back because, yeah, I happened to notice yesterday that it, it looked like uh, I may have killed the podcast by appearing last time. But glad that I'm back and the podcast is back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I should explain a little bit. I don't know if this is going to be the first one that's released because I'm recording uh, six episodes over the next four or five days. And then we're going to release all six uh, weekly or biweekly over, you know, starting in the very near future. Um, but yeah, so we had been on hiatus for a while, um, mainly because I got really busy which is the problem I want, right? Yep. So I've always intended to getting back to the podcast. Um, 
And what I kind of decided a few months ago was the way I'm going to get back to it is I'm not going to look at it as, okay, now I got to start recording podcasts and releasing every two weeks for an indefinite period of time. Moving forward, we're going to release it in seasons, kind of like a TV model. So as I just mentioned, I'm recording uh, six episodes in the next few days. We'll get those all edited. We'll start releasing them. And then there'll probably be a little break again before we you know, have the bandwidth to produce another set. Sounds great. The, the Netflix model. The Netflix model, yeah. Hopefully without the, you know, the year in between uh, type <laughs> of scene. Um, so since this is the 14th year of the podcast, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that is. I'm calling this season 14. Anyway, we're not here to talk about me. as easy as that is for me to do we're here to talk about web components yes and you you know a thing or two i do yeah they're they're one of uh one of my favorite things in the uh the current front-end landscape so this season of podcasts is really geared towards how to so we really want to hammer home in the next 30 minutes or so how to get started with web components so we're not going to go super deep into like history and stuff like that. But I really want this to be kind of practical so that people can listen and then just open up a browser and go somewhere and start doing stuff. Okay. That's kind of the goal of, of, of this, uh, this season. So explain it to me like on five, uh, what's a web component? <laughs> yeah. The, you know, especially from the perspective of, uh, like your five, the way that I would think about it is, um, you know, you're familiar with, you know, standard HTML elements, things like paragraphs and links and divs. Uh, what web components are is a, a set of browser specs that allow you to create your own, essentially extend HTML to have your own custom elements. So we can have like a Brian tag and a Mike tag. Technically, uh, the the custom elements need to have a, a dash in them so that they don't conflict with the main namespace for HTML elements. So it would have to be like, you know, our full name or something. Ah, see, I, we're learning something already. Fantastic. Very practical. <laughs> so how long have these been around? Is this something new or like, what's the deal? Yeah, they have actually, and the especially the spec for uh, web components have been around for a long time. Um, I actually did uh, look this up yesterday. The initial working draft of the spec was 2013, which is the same year that React was open sourced. So wow. both uh, the idea of web components and also the kind of modern front end uh, component approach has been here for a very long time. Um, but what has taken time is getting to the point where they've had wide browser adoption and are starting to kind of gain momentum in, in usage, which I, I feel is definitely happening now. So I would say on the timeline for that, like the very initial, one of the initial like web component libraries was Polymer, which was the 1.0 version of that was released in 2015. That has now evolved into uh, Lit, which is a, a Google project and it is commonly used. And then it was around 2018, I believe, when the support for the main web components APIs made their way into Firefox, they were already in, in Chrome. That was probably the tipping point, I think, for like pretty wide browser adoption. 
especially if you don't have to be concerned about IE 11. That was kind of the big sticking point where you'd have to use a lot of polyfills for this stuff. Do you like the way I'm, I, I mentioned that we weren't going to talk about history, then I immediately asked you a history <laughs> question? Yeah, it's it's fun though. I can't be trusted. And the, the other interesting thing I'd put on the, the web components timeline is, aside from the fact that, you know, I, I feel like they're gaining more attention, I'm seeing more and more of them in, in the day-to-day, there have also been some kind of cool like footnotes about modern uses of web components. One fun one that that people uh, might have had some interaction with is Wordle. Um, if you were part of the the Wordle craze uh, during the pandemic, or you know still play Wordle, the original version of that was completely built using web components, which is kind of cool. Wow! And then uh, there also is a version of uh, Photoshop for the web that was released, I believe, this year. And that heavily uses web components as well. Adobe is, is making a pretty large investment in web components. So those are some things you might not have thought of as uh, as things maybe that you've even used that uh, rely on web components. So is there something that web components can do that you wouldn't be able to do without a web component? Or is it just, is it just streamlining? Like, like what, like why? Like, what what problem am I going to run up against in the future where I need a web component? Yeah, it's it's basically that that general concept of being able to extend HTML and create your own HTML element. And frameworks like React and and Vue and Svelte and and all of those have that concept, um, but they all do it slightly differently. Um, and kind of have their their own version of how they bring that to the browser. Like React, for example, you know, it uses its own virtual DOM that is uh, different from the, the regular DOM. And then, then also to, you can create, you know, let's say that you created your, uh, your Brian component, like we talked about before. No, we better call it Brian-Perry, yeah. Technically in, in React, you could actually just call it Brian. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> this is the, this is the, the wild west uh, <laughs> that we're talking about that I think web components potentially helps with, but but it could be even if it's you could make it Brian Perry too. So if you have your Brian Perry component in React, you still need to um, in addition to loading all the necessary JavaScript, you have to get React to mount in a div on the page, and that Brian component isn't a thing until you mount your React application, and then that renders out. Um, the Brian Perry component, which is actually a bunch of JavaScript that creates the necessary elements on the page. I didn't listen to anything you just said for the last 30 <laughs> seconds. I just hear overhead, 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 overhead. Yes. Overhead that made a lot of things possible. Right. But overhead, sure. And then the, the difference for web components is that you can create your, your Brian Perry element. You load a, a JavaScript file for that. And as long as that JavaScript file is loaded, you can use your Brian Perry element in regular HTML. It just becomes like a new new thing that you can do in HTML. And that same sort of concept applies within the JavaScript frameworks as well. You can use that Brian Perry element in HTML. You can use it in React. You can use it in Vue. So you do you have this thing that doesn't reply. It doesn't um, depend on the specifics of a framework in the way that the things you build in React and Vue do. And it, it's really something that you can write once and, and use everywhere, which has kind of always been the dream, at least from my perspective. 
So this definitely sounds like it's more geared towards front-end developers. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that is true. Okay. Yep. Um, and then what do I like? What do I need to know in order to like get started? Like, what knowledge should I have? Yeah, there are definitely kind of layers to that. Um, but you know, it, these components are JavaScript, so you're going to need to be have some level of comfort with JavaScript. If you are, if you have used you know, kind of the modern ES6 and, and uh, ES6 and beyond JavaScript, you know, kind of past the, the jQuery uh, days, mm-hmm. you'll probably be comfortable. And exactly, you know, how deep into the JavaScript you go can vary. Um, with a small amount of JavaScript, you can, you know, create a pretty simple web component, depending on the level of interactivity you want to include, if you want to use supporting libraries, you know, that, that's the thing. Well, you'll, you'll have to get deeper into the JavaScript end of things. And then the other thing that I'd add there is that beyond just building them, you could consume them. So maybe you want to use web components that somebody else built. That's a different story in that um, you might not have to really use much JavaScript at all. You can just use that custom element in your markup. So the one thing I'll add based on what I've seen is that, sure, you need to know HTML and you need to know some JavaScript um, and maybe this kind of what I'm about to say falls within your definition, but I just want to say it explicitly is object-oriented JavaScript. Like you need to know the basics of like a class and properties and methods and things like that. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a good call out. Um, yeah, the base kind of web component spec. Yeah, it is a an HTML element class. Um, so you do need to know a little bit about object-oriented programming. It's not, it doesn't go that deep into it. It's not super complicated, but yeah, you'll either need to understand that or uh, fake it. <laughs> so how do I get started? If I, you know, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm like, man, that Brian, he is super smart and I want to be just like him. How do I get started? First off, I'm flattered, uh, listener. Mm. But <laughs> secondly... Yeah, this kind of uh, some of my personal opinions kind of fold into this and, and you know, what worked for me in getting web components to, to click. But w- what I would actually suggest is starting as uh, for, you know, your first experiment with this, actually starting as bare bones as possible. So literally just kind of opening up your editor of choice and creating a, a HTML document and a JavaScript file where, where you would do this. And you will need to run some sort of local web server uh, to get those things to talk to each other. What I'd suggest for that is just if you have uh, Node installed, you can just use uh, npx serve, which will just, it's the simple uh, Node web server that'll just load that uh, HTML file for you. So let me ask a question. I mean, why do you need why do you need the web server because this is all client side correct couldn't you just open up the html file directly in your browser yeah this starts to get into the weeds a little bit but um oh, well, we don't the... want to go anywhere near the weeds <laughs> if you just take those files and open them up in your browser it won't allow you to load the javascript uh it won't the html file can't load a javascript file from your desktop due to cores cross origin resource issues oh i was not aware of that okay and running that on a web server gets you around that problem got it got it got it got it all right so someone opens up you know their 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 favorite code editor they 
got an HTML, a JavaScript file. They've got, you know, local web server running. So like, where do they start? Is there like a, a really good tutorial that you recommend or like how, like what's the first step? Well, I guess it'd be the second step because they've already opened up their code editor. So what's their second step? So what I personally recommend is starting using the the library lit as, as a way to build web components. So what lit does is it provides some really nice helpers for things that require some boilerplate if you were to use, you know, create a completely vanilla uh, JavaScript web component. Like the biggest thing that I think is really helpful is that it handles uh, templating for you. So you can just use an HTML template and essentially just write markup, where if you didn't use a library like lit, you would actually have to use JavaScript to like create your template element and add that to the DOM and, you know, add things inside of, of that template. So using something like lit, I think, makes the process a lot easier and, and a lot more similar to what I'm used to, which is, you know, using some sort of template uh, to, to write the thing. Is lit something that you would recommend just to learn? Or is that something that you see people using like in production? Definitely something that people use in production. Okay. There are certainly differing opinions on this, but for me, I kind of see lit as kind of one-to-one with web components. There, there are people who prefer to just use the browser APIs alone, um, but I think lit improves the experience so much, uh, is pretty widely adopted, and also doesn't go too far away from the base browser spec that it, it is makes sense to use. So that sounds like an official Brian Perry recommendation. Yep, that is, uh, put the stamp on it, official Brian Perry recommendation right there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then the reason that I mentioned that first is uh, Lit. Uh, the Lit documentation has really nice interactive tutorials and like a playground section. So the interactive tutorial walks you through some of the basics and it's all done in browser and you actually, you, you know, there's instructions on the left-hand side and a code editor on the right-hand side. So you, it walks you through the code you need to add and, and what you need to change. So that's a really easy way to get started and start experimenting. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I spent some time with it this morning. Oh, awesome. And it's exactly what I hoped it would be. Yep. Because it started at the very basics. It demonstrated what the heck these things are. It demonstrated, you know, the JavaScript. It was it was very useful, I, I think, to, for someone someone like me who is, you know, I um, I dabble in the front end, but I'm definitely not like a front end developer. Um, but I can I, I can I can poke around and, and, and do stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, that was a, a good call. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. And uh, the the reason why I also suggest you know, trying it just starting in your your favorite text editor as well is because I, I think it is really useful to understand like what is possible to do just in the browser today without a bundler. Um, you know, it's a little bit different from what you might be familiar with in, in the past where you might need to like compile your JavaScript. Mm -hmm. You might end up using a bundler when you get deeper into web components and build things for production, but you you really can actually just you know, start with those two files. You can import lit the library from a CDN and just go, uh, which is really cool. So what are some, I mean, you mentioned 
some examples of web components, but those were kind of like, you know, higher level, obviously, Wordle and Photoshop, you know, so where would, like, what are some simple examples? Like, you know, where, like, how would I, like, how would I know, oh, that's something that a web component would good, would be good for, you know, as a, someone who's new to web components? Yeah, th- there are a few different categories that, that jump to mind for that. Uh, one is like something that you you wish was actually in HTML. Um, and a, like a common example of that is like an accordion or some sort of expand collapse. You know, there really isn't, there's no uh, HTML accordion element. Right. But that could be something, if you use that repeatedly on projects, um, that is a great case for a web component. So, you know, you could essentially just extend HTML with that expandable collapsible thing. You can make your own that kind of fits what you use on projects. There are also, without question, uh, accordion web components out there on NPM that you could use instead, if that's a, a good starting point. And then beyond that, uh, you know, the other kind of category are things that is, you know, really just a reusable component that you find yourself using in your projects. So like you could say a, a card or, you know, a, a particular variation on like a hero component might be something that is is worth building into a web component. So rather than having, you know, the markup and global CSS, you could just have a, you know, Mike's hero <laughs> component mm-hmm. that you could uh, reuse. And, and I think where it really makes sense to do that and consider making a web component is if you have the need to use that hero in different contexts. So if you wanted to use it in Drupal and you also wanted to use it in your React project, or you had a project, for example, that's using multiple JavaScript frameworks, that could really make sense. And then also if you do want to bundle in opinionated like styling and interactivity with that component, um, rather than just doing that with whatever templating engine you're using um, and having to make sure that all the JavaScript and styles are imported and work together. Um, If you create a web component for that, you can include all the necessary styles, all the necessary JavaScript interactivity in with that component. Um, And it just ships with it essentially. So it sounds like encapsulation is, is, is a kind of a big reason. Yes. Yeah. From my opinion, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, especially if you are use if you're going to use that thing in multiple places. Yes. Right. So let's get back to Drupal here, because um, that is in the uh, the name of the podcast, so it's probably a good idea. <laughs> um, so I'm feeling that there is a lot of overlap in like a custom Twig template and some JavaScript and some CSS. What what that can do, and what a web component can do. Yes. And so going back to what you just said, it seems like the the big driver for using a web component over template files, CSS, JavaScript, and your custom theme is that encapsulation. So number one, is that correct? And number two, if so, are there any other reasons? Yeah, I would agree that the encapsulation is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Are there any other reasons? Um, the portability is definitely a- another one in that, right. um, sure, sure. you know, a lot of the component-based uh, design approaches for, for Drupal try to take this from the perspective of, 
you know, how do we just build the front end component that then Drupal can use? It fits pretty nicely into that. Um, and then also I think some of it is that common, um, you know, case of, you know, do you have developers, front end developers working on this project that are potentially less familiar with Twigs, Twig and the in, ins and outs of Twig and are more comfortable either writing JavaScript or just using these new HTML elements that you create just like regular markup and, and not necessarily worrying about, you know, Twig imports and includes and extends right. and all the, the specifics of that. All right, cool. So it would seem to me that to use a web component in Drupal, you basically just have to add it to a template file somewhere. And, you know, and, and I guess you would add the JavaScript as its own library, like one library per, com per web component type of thing? Yes. Yeah, um, kind of wherever you think the the line to break things up makes sense. So yeah. if you find that, you know, the components are typically only used in certain contexts, then yeah, having them in their own library probably makes sense. If it really is a set of components that are used kind of throughout the site, maybe it's a single library. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's more of a kind of Drupal aggregation thing. But yeah, make sure the library is loaded and then you... Um, can just start using that uh, custom element in your markup in your Twig templates, and it it really does just become conceptually another HTML element. So that means you can keep doing all the things that you're doing in Twig, but now with your you know Brian Perry element. So you can use Drupal variables. You can use things like Drupal's attributes functions and, and things like that. Yeah, one thing we should mention, which you know, you know, we should probably say out loud. Another thing we, sh we should say out loud is that these custom HTML elements can also have, you know, whatever attributes you want. Yes. So, you know, it doesn't have to be just you know open angle bracket Brian dash Perry close angle bracket. It can be you know Brian dash Perry followed by you know attribute equals whatever attribute equals yes you know, attribute two equals whatever. And then the values of those attributes can be passed in via Twig, just like any other HTML element. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, the Brian Perry element could have a a, a, a mood uh, attribute, and you could set if Brian Perry mm. is happy, sad, uh, silly. Yeah. Um, one other thing that's, that's probably worth mentioning as well, um, this probably does start to get us a little bit closer to the weeds, but um, one thing to note about custom elements in their current implementation is that they require JavaScript. So what that means is that your custom element will not be you know, fully interactive, fully progressively enhanced until the JavaScript loads on the page. So that is something to be aware of and that they're not going to be server rendered in the way that your Twig is. Um, so you need to make sure that you know, it's not going to introduce things like layout shift on your page um, and things like that. Yes, good good point there. Uh, tell me about the GWDC project. First of all, what does it stand for and what is it? And at what point in someone's web component Drupal journey should they start looking at it? 
Yeah, so uh, GDWC is the Generic Drupal Web Components Project. It's another one of my perfectly named <laughs> projects. Um, and the yeah, the idea is that it intends to be a uh, community-maintained library of uh, web components that work nicely with Drupal. So um, ideally things that you could use in a, a Twig template in Drupal or use in one of your JavaScript frameworks in, in a uh, decoupled project um, that just works easily with data that comes from Drupal's JSON API. And yeah, where that would kind of fit in in your web component journey, um, you know, if you're looking for uh, examples that you can just experiment with consuming and using, that, that could be a, a place to start. Like what happens if I install this thing mm -hmm. and use the GDWC card element on a page? Um, probably not where I would suggest starting for like just initial learnings uh, about web components, like those lit tutorials would, would still probably be where I would recommend. Um, but if you do get to the point where you're interested in web components, um, see a use for them in Drupal, um, I would definitely love uh, for people to uh, experiment more in that library. It's definitely intended to be a home for many different use cases of components that could fit well with Drupal. So the more the more opinions we have on that, the more people we have contributing and building things, I think the more useful this project would be. So I was trying to come up with an analogy for this module like where, where this module is to web components as some other module is to some other technology. And I couldn't really think of one. The closest I came, which I don't think is very close, is the examples module, which is basically a showcase of different coding techniques in Drupal. But I don't think that's completely analogous to what GDWC is. Yeah, so I, I, I think you're probably going to agree that it's not completely analogous, but I'm wondering, is there some other analogy so we can better kind of describe what this, you know, what role this module has? Yeah, I would say that kind of my, my dream for what the end goal or like the evolution of this project would be, would be like the bootstrap paragraphs module. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, for anybody who, who isn't, what Bootstrap Paragraphs is, is a, a set of paragraph uh, components that essentially make uh, common uh, things from the Bootstrap library available for you to add to your Drupal projects. So, you know, add a slider, add uh, a grid, etc. So yeah, this would be, you know, the goal is to have a, a set of web components that you can use in that same way. Um, and, you know, down the line, uh, you know, definitely want to find ways to make it easier to use them and install them and spin them up in your, your Drupal project. Yeah. That is a much better example than mine. I did so it. Thank you for that. Yay. <laughs> are there any other uh, Drupal modules out there that you're aware of that are doing something with web components? Yeah, so there is um, phase two uh, is maintaining a library called Outline um, that is a set of web components, essentially a design system. And that is something that they use commonly on Drupal projects, as I understand it. So those can be used, again, in the context of Drupal or not, but that's definitely something to look at. 
there are there are a few other projects that do are intended to use web components or work with web components that I'm actually not super familiar with. Um, but there is oh, let's not even talk about those. Okay, now. skip. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll definitely name drop them. So there's the uh, there is a web components uh, uh, project on Drupal.org, which is associated with the uh, the Hacks project, which is kind of a- another set of web components. And there also is the uh, the Lupus custom element renderer, which is kind of it's supports, I believe, uh, like a web component focused distribution. But again, I, I haven't really had the time. Uh, I'd love to and, and hope to play around with those a little bit more, but I really haven't had the time to do it yet. And then the, the other thing I think that is uh, interesting to to note, which is definitely a, a future facing thing, and who knows if, if we'll get there, but there has been um, a lot of interest lately in a, uh, a concept around single directory components that hopefully is something that that's going to be uh, built for a future version of Drupal. Yep, I've been following that as well. That's very exciting stuff. Yeah, definitely. And that is not necessarily directly related to web components, but I, I do think it would make the developer experience for authoring web components in your Drupal project better. In that, for example, one of the concepts there is you can have in a directory a, a template and a JavaScript file and Drupal is going to automatically create a library for it. Right. So you literally could just go in there, create the two files that we were talking about, and uh, be on your way, which I think is pretty exciting. So I'm going to ask you one more question, and it's not in the rundown. because Well, two more questions, actually. Neither in the rundown, because I just thought... Sorry, did my people talk to you? They said nothing outside of the rundown. I have a very strict... Well, <laughs> you know, I tend to not to listen to your people, so... So obviously, to get moving with web components, some JavaScript knowledge is, is, is needed. I know that you mentioned uh, the Lit Interactive Tutorial, but let's say someone's not, they don't feel comfortable with their current JavaScript skills. And it's okay if you don't have an answer for this, but do you have a recommendation for where people can go or a resource for people to learn, and I'm going to use the phrase modern JavaScript. You know, for people who are used to like writing jQuery or, you know, kind of rudimentary JavaScript, like where, do, like what's a good, uh, and we'll start with, you know, free open source-ish type of, of resource for people to learn modern um, JavaScript. Do you have a go-to? Yeah, I, I do have a, a, a personal go-to. There, there's definitely a lot of other resources out there and this, you know, might not be for everyone, but um, the... The it was a, actually a paid tutorial that helped React click for me uh, by a developer called uh, named West Boss. Oh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. And he also uh, is one of the hosts of the, the Syntax podcast, and and that was React for beginners, which just really worked for me as a way to describe the concepts. Um, I wouldn't start there, uh, but he does have like general JavaScript uh, courses. Um, so I'd suggest looking at that. And I think there is one that is free that is like JavaScript 30 or something, which yeah, is yeah. just like 30 days of JavaScript exercises. Yeah, I, I actually have that one. I have the link to that one. I will definitely add that one to the show notes. Awesome. So did we miss anything? I, I have, you know, do folks now in the last you know 30 minutes or so now have the information they need to get started with uh, building their first web component? Have we achieved our goal of telling people how to? 
get started? Yeah, I I do think so. I, I mean, we didn't necessarily go into some of these things, but but I would encourage people just overall to try to start simple. Uh, there are definitely a lot to web components, things that make them different. Uh, there are places to get tangled up <laughs> and confused, mm -hmm. but I, I do think there are a lot of kind of low effort, simple starting points that can show you the value of these things. And then if you do want to get into, you know, the ins and outs of uh, styling and uh, the shadow DOM and like more complicated ways to encapsulate these components, that's definitely all there for you. But um, yeah, start with something simple and, and hopefully you'll see the why, you know, for example, I'm so excited about what these make possible. All right. And now for the final question, which could absolutely, if we're not careful, double the length <laughs> of the podcast. I'm in. Knowing you, I've known you for a few years. We've gotten to know each other. Um, I know some of your hobbies. Um, so I'm very curious to hear about your opinions of the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, the, yes. This will, this will take a very long time. No. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think it was like two days ago at this point they released the second trailer. Yes. And I thought it was, it was really great. It seems like they are doing a, a really good job of like uh, creating like a full world and introducing a lot of the characters in the the Mario universe. I still don't like Chris Pratt's voice, <laughs> but I don't think that's enough to weigh down the whole whole movie. So, to me, based on the trailers, it seems like they're they're really focused on adding a lot of like little touches that tie the movie to the various video games. Yes. Which I think is really cool, especially this, this, this second trailer. I saw a lot of stuff and I'm not even, you know, I don't even compare in my, in my knowledge or love of, of, you know, Nintendo games that, that I assume your level is, you know, light years beyond mine. Um, but if a casual player like me can notice all the stuff that I'm noticing, it must just be like a cornucopia for you. Yeah. Definitely. And it feels like they're doing it without like totally hitting you over the head with it, which I think is, uh, is great. Right. And, uh, the, the other thing I'll, uh, I'll, I'll drop as a, as an interesting rumor that I still feel like might be possible. There, there is a rumor that secretly it is a musical. <laughs> wow. So we'll see if that, that comes to pass, but, uh, a lot of the different cast members have said like on the record that they have recorded songs for the movie. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, wasn't like the Lego movie. The, the first one at least had that had a bunch of songs in it, yep, didn't it? Exactly. Or am I just remembering? No, it, yeah. So maybe it's something. It like did. Then the second one had more, but yeah, it's definitely not something that you would expect out of the, the Mario movie. So that, that would be cool if it comes to pass. All right. Well, I look forward to the full review. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do it. We'll definitely have to do a follow-up podcast, and that one will absolutely have to be extended. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a marathon. All right, Brian, thank you very much for your time and for your knowledge today. And, uh, you know, maybe if this one goes over well, then we'll have you on for a third time. We'll see. See how it goes. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm very excited that I didn't kill the podcast after all. <laughs> <laughs>